great to be at Bayside Frankston. I hear this is the most enthusiastic congregation in all of the Bayside churches. <laughs> Come on, you got to sleep in a little longer than the 9.30 group over there in Cheltenham, so uh, you should be rising by now. So great to be here this morning. Uh, we really love your church and really admire the influence and impact you're having here in Melbourne and beyond. Uh, love your pastors, Robin Christie. We had to had a chance to have dinner with them last night after church, and they've had a really great break, great rest. They'll be back on deck next weekend, and so love and appreciate them, and uh, thank you for the opportunity to share with you this weekend. Really looking forward to doing that. So how about we pray and get into the message this morning. Father, so good to be together. We sense your nearness already through the worship and what Pastor Jimmy has shared about waiting on you. And so as we come to the message now, I thank you for the Holy Spirit who has the ability to take uh, the words of one person and appropriate it in dozens of different ways. Now, I don't know what's happening in everyone's life right now, but you do. You see, you hear, you notice, you're listening. And I pray that you would speak to every person today very personally very powerfully, so that they could leave here encouraged, inspired, and lifted up to be all that you've called them to be. In Jesus' name, everyone who's awake said amen. 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 Excellent. Hey, a little bit about my story. As a kid, um, as a teenager, I was um, fairly shy. I, I used to really struggle with confidence and uh, inferiority and insecurity kind of uh, really crept into my life. I'm not sure why. I I'm very tall, so I kind of stick out in a crowd, six foot five in the old scale. Um, I used to have really bright red hair, and so that kind of drew attention to me. Also in school, I had lots of nicknames like Big Red, not that creative, uh, Carrot Top. A more creative one was Towering Inferno. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't have had much sympathy from you. And uh, although I was born in Melbourne, um, I spent some years in America. When I went to America, uh, uh, you know, people would say, what's your name? I'd say, Mark, Mark Connor. And one guy called me Mike for 10 days. And after 10 days, he goes, oh, Mark. So I had to learn to speak American. So I, I used to say, my name's Mark Connor, Mark Connor. And so uh, I came back, and I was in um, third form, I guess it was, in those uh, days out at Blackburn South High School. And so I'm tall, I'm redhead, and it was in the days of happy days. Anyone remember happy days? The Fonz? And I used to part my hair on the side, so everyone on campus called me, hey, Richie. I go, no, my name's Mark. Okay, Richie. So yeah, and then in class, if, if someone asked me to stand up and say something, my face would turn as bright as my hair. And so Insecurity was kind of like a prison around me, holding me back from being all that God wanted me to be. And it actually took a while, it took, a, it took some years, it took some encouragement from others to eventually accept myself. Actually, being tall is great. The weather's good up here. I can see over the crowd, a little closer to God than most of you. Actually, being redhead is cool too. Got one ranger in the midst. You know, I mean, most people, black hair, you're all burnt out. Redheads are on fire. And so I, I began to accept myself. Being redhead's cool. Being tall, tall is cool. And actually got out of that prison and developed a sense of confidence that God could do something in and through my life. Uh, and that's a little bit my story. You know, there are many things that can be a prison around about us. And some people get stuck in a prison of anger. Other people get stuck in a prison of discouragement. Another common one today is depression. I'm writing some blog posts right now on depression, which is now being called the common cold of the emotions. 
Everyone has times when you feel down, when you feel low. Depression is simply low mood, but sometimes that can settle in for a long time. And so depression can become a prison. Rejection, there are many things that can be a prison in our life. The good news about Jesus is that one of his first sermons in Luke 4 was, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners. Everyone say freedom. freedom. Come on, give me a good brave heart. Freedom. freedom. On you, Samuel. That's awesome. One more time. Freedom. Jesus came to bring freedom to the prisoners. And so whatever prison you may be in today, it could be insecurity like me, it could be depression, it could be worry, it could be fear, it could be anger. Whatever prison you're in, Jesus is saying, I am here to open the door and make a way for you to become free. That's the good news of Jesus, the good news of the gospel. And so in our time together today, I want to talk about another prison, and that's the prison of worry. I want to share with you today freedom from worry. I find, you know, although us Aussies often say no worries, that's a, that's a great Aussie greeting, isn't it? No worries. The truth is we actually do have a lot of things we worry about. And worry can be like a prison around our life. We can worry about our health. We can worry about our grades in school or, or university or what's, what, what are we going to do for a career. We can worry about our relationships or our finances. We're going to have enough to pay the bills. We can worry about the future, the economy, terrorism, politics. What's Donald Trump going to do next? You know, there are so many things to worry about. And have you found that one worry feeds another? And the more you worry, the, more, the worse you feel. The worse you feel, the more you worry. And then the more you worry, the worse you feel. It's this downward spiral. And before you know it, you're stuck in this prison of worry. Uh, again, Jesus understands. And one of his most well-known sermons, the Sermon on the Mount, he talks about worry. And so we're going to go there today, Matthew 6, verse 25. If you've got a Bible, I'm going to be reading from the NIV translation. We've actually got it up on the screen coming right now. Thanks, team. And so let's have a listen to what Jesus had to say. Matthew 6, 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you're going to eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look, consider the birds of the air. They're not sowing or reaping or storing away in barns, yet they have a heavenly Father who feeds them. Aren't you much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Why do you worry about clothes? Just stop and look at the flowers of the field. They're not laboring or spinning, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? For the pagans, those that don't yet know God loves them, they run after these things. But you have a heavenly Father who knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. No worries, for tomorrow will worry about itself each day 
has enough trouble of its own. So Jesus takes a pretty big chunk here in this sermon saying, don't worry, stop worrying, break free from any prison of worry that's in your life. And so I want to share just some practical steps today as to how do we actually do that? How do we find freedom from worry? I'm going to use the word STOP, S-T-O-P, as a bit of an acronym today, just for four very simple principles. Here we go. You ready? Turn to your neighbor and say, it's going to be really good. Come on, with a bit more enthusiasm. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. All right, here we go. Letter S is to specify your worries. Ask yourself this morning, what am I worried about? Be specific. Jesus listed a few worries of his time. People were worried about food. Would they have a meal tomorrow? People were worried about clothing in the cold winter. Would they have enough to keep warm? That was some of the worries in those days. But what are you worrying about today? Sometimes it helps just to get a piece of paper out and make a list of all your worries because worry can sometimes be like this dark cloud over our mind that just kind of dampens our day and we're not actually specific about what those worries are. And so get a list, write them all out. What are you worried about? If you need two pieces of paper, make two lists. Encourage you to do that sometime today. What am I worried about? Get it out of your head, be specific. There was a research paper done a few years ago on the area of worry. And here were the results. 40% of what we worry about will never, ever happen. 40% of it will never happen. 30% of what we worry about is in the past. It's already happened and you can't do anything about it. 12% of our worries are about our health. And how many know worry actually makes your health worse? 8% of what we worry about, sorry, 10% of what we worry about is minor or petty or insignificant. Only 8% of our worries are legitimate, substantial, and half of them, another 4%, are beyond our control. So research tells us that 96% of the average things we worry about are a waste of time and energy. What a worry, worry is. No wonder Jesus says, don't worry, stop worrying. And so just specify your worries, get them out, put them on a list. Most of our worries are a waste of time and energy. Ever been shopping and got a shopping trolley where one wheel wasn't working? How cool is that? You know, you're moving along and it's squealing and you're screeling and you know it's just annoying isn't it you're sweating and going praise your Jesus and it, it's just draining isn't it one wheel and you know that's what one negative emotions like on the inside of us get a little anger in there or a little bitterness or a little jealousy or a little worry it's just like that it just drains your energy and takes your joy away and everything's more difficult. And that's why it's so important to be free from worry. So firstly, specify your worries. Letter T is to take action on your worries. As you look at your list, ask yourself, can I do anything about this? Can I do anything about this worry? If you can turn your worry into an action, worry actually disappears. You crowd out your worries by working on them. In fact, I've found that worry can be useful if it gets your attention. If it gets your attention, worry can actually be helpful. 
Some of you drove here this morning. Imagine you're driving home after church today and the red light on your dashboard comes on and your fuel tank is running on empty. What do you do? You don't get out a hammer and say, I rebuke you in Jesus' name, you negative thing. No, 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 no. The red light is your friend. It's getting your attention. It's, war- it's warning you. But don't give in to worry. Don't worry. start worrying. Oh, we're going to run out of petrol. Oh, we're going to have, have to walk. Oh, I'm going to miss that. No, no, turn your worry into an action. Find a petrol station, turn in, open the tank, fill it up, and your worry will disappear. I've come all the way here this morning to tell you to fill up your petrol tank when it's empty. Like this is deep stuff. This is university level uh, thinking here today. Now we laugh and go, that's so stupid. Who is this tall, former redhead guy they got in today? But you know what? If we actually did that with every worry, we'd get rid of most of our worries. Instead of worrying, if you just said, what can I do about this? Your worry would disappear. Maybe you're a connect leader here today, and maybe you haven't seen someone in your group for three weeks. Mary, I haven't seen her. You could start worrying about Mary. Maybe she's left my group. Maybe she doesn't like me anymore. Maybe she's left and gone to a different group. Maybe she's left the church. Maybe she's backslidden. It's amazing how creative our mind is to create all kinds of worlds. And we can spend hours and days worrying about Mary and using a lot of energy. No, no, no. Turn your worry into an action. Give Mary a call. Oh, hi, Mary. You've been on holidays. Oh, good. When you, oh, you're back. Often it's not even about us, but we've wasted all of this energy worrying about something that's actually not even a reality. And so I want to encourage you, specify your worries, but then as you look at your list, start to take action. Many worries are a decision waiting to happen. You start making a decision and the worry disappears. Letter O is to offer up a prayer to God. I reckon Paul heard Jesus' sermon, maybe on a podcast, I'm not sure. They didn't have podcasts in those days. But listen to what Paul says in Philippians 4, 6-7. Don't worry. Oh, it sounds like Jesus. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And so Paul says the same thing. Don't worry, but he gives us a tip. He says, instead of worrying, offer up a prayer to God. Offer a prayer to God. I love what the Message Bible says under the next slide. Thanks, team. Uh, Eugene Peterson translates it this way. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness or peace, everything coming together for the good, will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. What a fantastic scripture. I love that little phrase that's underlined there, shape your worries into prayers. Would you say that with me? Shape your worries into prayers. One more time. Shape your worries into prayers. So I've got a list of my uh, worries. I've specified everything I'm worried about. I'm taking action on the things I can do something about. But then I'm offering a prayer to God. I'm shaping those worries into a prayer. About uh, 
10 years ago, um, all three of our kids were involved in a serious car accident in their late teens, early 20s. And um, it was on a New Year's Day, and my eldest son fell asleep at the wheel, and their car jackknifed with another car, and uh, all of them ended up in hospital that day. It was a horrible day, broken bones and back and teeth and stitches, and it was just a horrible start to the new year. Uh, very traumatic. And, you know, sometimes when you have a traumatic experience, it can be a trigger for worry. And I found in the months and even years after that, often we'd be having dinner and the kids would come around for dinner and they're late. And it's amazing how your mind goes, oh, I hope they haven't had an accident. I hope they're okay. And worry just starts to kick in. And so I've, I've actually found this a great discipline, a great habit, a great ritual, that as soon as I start to worry, to shape that worry into a prayer, maybe verbally, maybe just quietly, a silent breath prayer. And so often in those situations, I say, God, thank you for my kids. You gave them to us. They're a gift from your hand. Just wherever they are today, God, would you watch over them? Would you protect them? Bring... I just begin to pray for my kids. Uh, maybe you're worried about your work and some people have been laid off and you start to think, maybe I'm going to lose my job. Shape that into a prayer. God, thank you. You are my provider. You gave me this job. And Father, I pray that I'll be able to keep this job. If not, you've got another job that'll be just... The... It's amazing when you do this, you start to pray a lot more. And you know what? The enemy who loves to send worry kind of slows down the worry because every time you, he sends worry, you just start praying. <laughs> This is a very powerful habit. If you could just through the week, starting to worry, shape that into a prayer. God, thank you, Lord, for your health and strength. Father, I pray for that today. Just begin to talk to God about that worry. It's a very, very powerful principle for breaking free from worry. So specify your worries, take action on your worries, offer a prayer to God, and then let a P place your trust in God. There will be at least 4% of things on your list that are totally beyond your control. There's nothing you can do about them. Might be another person. How many know you can't control other people? We can try, but we can't. There are things on your list that are beyond your control. And so what do we do? We place our trust in God. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't rely on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Jesus talks about the birds. Uh, they don't store up food for tomorrow, but there's a father who's looking out for them. In the same way, our life is not subject to luck or fate or chance. There is a, a father God who even in the midst of uncertainty is working in our life. We can trust him. One of my favorite scriptures is Romans 8.28, where Paul says, God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. It doesn't say God causes all things. We make choices. Other people make choices. There are other forces that work in the world. God is not the cause of everything. It doesn't say all things are good. A car accident is not good. Sickness is not good. Divorce, a broken relationship is not good. It doesn't say all things are good. There's a lot of painful, not good things that uh, enter our world. It also doesn't say all things have a happy ending. Be good if it did. But uh, not every business makes a million dollars. Not every kid averages straight A's. Not every marriage lasts forever. It doesn't say all things have a happy ending. 
Some things don't. But what it does say is God causes all things, the good, the bad, the ugly, our failures, our successes, our joys, our pains. He causes all things to work together for an ultimate good because we love him. I can be encouraged by that, that there's a God at work in my life. Uh, I studied some theology at Ridley College, and one of my lectures was Graham Cole. And uh, he uh, talked a bit about providence one day. I'll never forget it because I'm a musician myself. And he talked a bit about different worldviews and using some musical examples. And uh, some people think the world's like a classical orchestra. Do any, any people here like classical music? A few quiet hands going up. In a classical orchestra, everything is already pre-planned. The composer has composed all the music, and as a musician in a classical orchestra, it's been scripted what you will play. The notes are there, the tempo's there, the phrasing's there, the volume's there, it's all there, and you just simply play out the role that's been predetermined for you. Beautiful music, but it's all been determined. And some people think the world is like a classical orchestra. It's all been determined. You have no free will, you have no choice. God has already determined everything that's happening, you ever hear someone say, something happens and someone goes, oh, it must have been God's will. It's called determinism, which is basically we have no choice, we have no freedom, everything's already been planned and we're just living out a script that's already been played for us. That's one view of the world. Other people go over here and they see the world not as a classical orchestra, but as a jam session. Anyone know what a jam session is? A jam session is when there's no musical score. It's a free-for-all. You just grab your instrument and you make a joyful noise. The drummer's going, the guitarist going, the trumpet is going, the guitarist. Everyone, it's just a cacophony of sound. There's no order. There's no plan. Find your own sound. Make your own noise. Some people think the world is like that. There's no plan. There's no meaning. There's no purpose. Come up with your own meaning and purpose and make the best of the one life you have. That's another worldview. There's a third option, kind of between the two, and it could be illustrated by a jazz band. Anyone like jazz here this morning? Two hands going up, three hands, four, lots of people like jazz. In jazz, there's a unique thing that happens. Jazz has a chord sequence underneath everything, but there is something called improvisation where one instrumentalist plays and then another one listens and then responds. And so there is choice, there is freedom, there is unpredictability. Sometimes there's even discord or syncopation or out of rhythm. There's all of this stuff happening, but underneath it all, the music's going somewhere. I kind of think the world is more like a jazz band than a classical orchestra or a jam session. You and I have choices. We have freedom. We can improvise. We react and we respond. And sometimes life is discordant and out of rhythm. But underneath it all, there's this hand of providence. The music is going somewhere. God is working underneath and through everything, even when we don't see it. I think the story of Joseph powerfully illustrates this. Joseph was a teenager with some dreams. He had some great prophecies over his life about what he was going to do and achieve. But then everything went south. He got betrayed by his brothers. His own brothers sold him into slavery. He was thrown into a pit. He ended up 13 years in a prison. Dark nights of the soul. And after 13 long years, he was promoted and became number two in the empire of Egypt, number two to the Pharaoh. 
And you know the story. He was reunited with his brothers who sold him. And he made a powerful statement. Genesis 50 verse 20, if you're taking notes. He said this to his brothers. He says, you meant it for evil, but God used it for good. Think about that. He didn't say it didn't matter. It didn't hurt. He didn't say it was good. It wasn't good. He says, you meant it for evil. We're not talking about look on the bright side and praise God. No, 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 no. You meant it for evil. It was wrong. It was hurtful. It was painful. It was traumatic. You meant it for evil, but God used it for good. God actually orchestrated the pain and the hurt of that traumatic experience to bring me where I am today. Now, I'm sure Joseph didn't have that perspective every day while he was in prison. But there are moments in life where you kind of look back and you go, that was hard, that was difficult, that was painful. But you know what? God has actually redeemed that. He's brought something good out of that. doesn't mean what happened was good, but he's brought some good out of it. Sometimes our mess can be part of our message to the world. And so there'll be some things on your list that you can't do much about. But we can offer up a prayer to God and we can place our trust in God. I was sharing with the Cheltenham campus this morning that uh, I enjoy cooking. And uh, in the early days, I had a couple of recipes that I really enjoyed uh, making. My wife is a great cook, Nicole. Uh, she kind of throws things together, no recipe, and they always come out amazing. But she could never repeat the meal, you know, because she forgot what she did. I'm a very detailed person. I got the recipe book and all the measuring cups, and I follow the rules. I, I kind of paint within the lines. And so when I was first starting to cook, I enjoyed uh, making a Thai green curry. Some of you are getting ready for lunch, a Thai green curry. One of the things I noticed is when you make a Thai green curry, there are certain ingredients you wouldn't want by themselves. Like a, 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 a tablespoon of curry powder into your mouth is not going to be a pleasant experience. Anyone ever had a cup of fish oil? Fish sauce? You know, fish sauce? You probably have, and you live to tell the tale. Yeah, but a cup of fish sauce, you're not going to probably go, go home and say, yes, I'd like a cup of fish sauce. Or, or chili flakes by themselves. These ingredients really are not pleasant in isolation, but when you put them all together, it's amazing the flavor that comes out of all those ingredients. How many think life is a little bit like a Thai green curry? <laughs> We have all had experiences in our life that if we could go along the road today, you go, that, that was not pleasant. That was painful. I did not enjoy that. But it's amazing how God takes all the ingredients of our life, the sweet and the sour, and he can make something beautiful of our life. If pain has never touched your life, you probably don't know what it is to have empathy. I remember as a musician playing at many funerals, did the music, uh, until my mother very suddenly had a heart attack and died in 1990, and I lost someone so close to me. I tell you what, every funeral after that, I saw it very differently because I could understand what it means to grieve. And sometimes pain becomes part of God's purpose through our lives. And so place your trust in God. So as we wrap this up, there are two things you should never worry about. I'm going to write this down. Here's the summary. Two things you should not worry about. Don't worry about things you can do something about. That's number one. Number two, don't worry about things you can't do something about. Did you catch that? Don't worry about things you can do something about. Take action. Fill up with petrol. 
Give the person a call. And don't worry about things you can't do something about. Trust God. Offer up a prayer. In other words, don't worry about anything because worry is a waste of time and energy. It uh, doesn't help and it takes away our joy. Have you ever noticed you can't worry and be joyful at the same time? Come on, just try, just, just humor me for a moment. I want you just in one moment to worry and be joyful simultaneously. You ready? One, two, three. It's pretty tough, isn't it? You're either worrying and the joy's not there, or you're joyful and the worry's not there. You can't do them both together. And that's why worry is such a prison, because it takes our joy away, and our joy is our strength. Finally, worry gets us focused on ourself. When you're worried, you're preoccupied with your own life, your own concerns. And Jesus actually gave us a key to break free from worry. He says, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry, but... Instead of worrying, seek first God's kingdom. Imagine an entire community of people here this morning, free from worry, walking out here, free of worry, full of joy, ready to be a blessing wherever we go. What an impact a group of people like that can make. If we're all in prisons of worry, we're all focused on our own needs. There's a time for that, but God doesn't want us to stay there. He wants us to be free from worry. And so that's my prayer for you today. How about we pray and uh, bring this to a conclusion here this morning. Maybe just close your eyes for a moment. I want to pray for two groups of people. Uh, First of all, hopefully the message has been helpful for everybody, but I kind of sense there's some people in the room that this is just what you needed to hear today. Uh, You've come into here today and and your mind is full of worry and it's like you're sitting there going, oh my God, God, you're, you're talking just to me. I'd love to pray for you this morning as our worship team comes forward. And so if that's you, would you mind just raising your hand saying, yeah, I've got some worries right now. Come on, don't worry about lifting your hand up. <laughs> just raise your hand. Yeah, appreciate your honesty. I'm going to pray for you in just a moment. Pop your hand down. Just while our eyes are closed. Secondly, I want to pray for some people here today. Maybe you're visiting or been a few times and, and you don't really know God personally. And today you'd like to begin a relationship with God. Or maybe you're here and you once were close to God, but for some reason you drifted. Maybe you got a little disappointed, a little hurt. And today you want to come back into a relationship with God. I'd also like to pray for you. Our eyes are closed. If that's you, would you mind raising your hand saying, that's me. I'd like to begin a relationship with God or I'm away from God. Need forgiveness today. Would you mind just raising your hand if that's you today? I'd love to pray with you. Just in these final few minutes. Anyone at all? Mark, just... Just feel a little far from God today. Need some forgiveness. Need to get right with God. Just place your hand up. I'd love to pray with you this morning. Final few moments. Anyone at all? Thank you, Jesus. All right, let's pray. Father, I pray for all those that lifted their hands up, that carrying some worry today in a bit of a prison of worry. Jesus, you understand. When we're down, you don't kick us. You don't condemn us. You reach out a hand to lift us up. You open a door to... Lead us to freedom. And so I pray for everyone that's been dealing with some worry right now that you would lift that worry off them this morning. Set them free from that worry. Fill them with your joy. Give them courage to make some decisions, maybe even some tough decisions today. And give them the faith to trust you for those things beyond their control. Would you free us from worry today? Fill us with your joy. In your wonderful name, everyone said amen this morning. Amen. Come on, give Jesus a clap today. Amen. Amen.
a few a few years ago we did a whole series at our church called Prison Break and uh, this message was one of the messages but we also did messages on freedom from worry, freedom from anger, freedom from fear, freedom from depression, freedom from rejection, freedom from addictions and freedom from spiritual bondages and we put that into a book and uh, we've got a few of them in the foyer today. Uh, normally $17.95, $15 today, special, two for $30. And so they're available here today. I'm going to pop out there at the end of the meeting and love to sign one for you or a friend. Could be a real blessing to them today. Um, yeah, thank you. The, uh, a funny story. I, I heard of someone who sent one of these to a friend in prison and it got confiscated and returned. I think they thought there were tunneling diagrams in here. Or, so uh, funny story. Who's visiting today? First time at Bayside ever. Anyone visiting for the first time today? Are you here for the first time? You here for the first time? Yeah, what's your name? Chris. Carissa, I'd like to give this to you. I signed it, and that's for you to take home with you today. On you, Carissa. You know, most, most churches, they say after your money here at Bayside, they give things away. So enjoy it, Carissa. I hope you enjoy that. So your husband? Come on. What's your name? Daryl, first time on guitar today. Come on, give him a big shout out on you, Daryl. A very proud wife. Go, Carissa. Enjoy that. Uh, I hope you found the message helpful. Turn to your neighbor and say, no worries. Come on, no worries. Thanks, Jimmy. God bless you guys. Well, thank you, Pastor Mark. You know, one line that you said that really stuck with me was, worries are a decision waiting to happen. You know, it's that act of faith that when, the, when there is worry, we can step out in faith and we can trust God to work through that for, for good, ultimately. So something we like to do when we've got uh, visiting ministries, we like to give them a, a special offering. Take that up and sow into what they're doing. So if you'd like to give to that by way of credit card, could you put your hand up and the ushers will bring that around? And this is a great opportunity for, to, to, to sow into what Pastor Mark is doing. You know, he's come and he's blessed us this morning. And I've heard him on numerous occasions speak. And he's fantastic. And so this is a great opportunity to sow into to what God has in store in the future for Pastor Mark. So why don't you take that and we'll pray quickly. And then I'll get the ushers to receive that. So Father God, we thank you this morning for bringing Pastor Mark to us and him sharing that, Lord God. We thank you for... The anointing that you've placed upon him to, to minister to your people and to lead your people into a greater revelation of who they are in you. And we, we pray, Lord God, that you would take him and continue to use him for your glory and to impact the lives of other people. In Jesus' name, amen.